Ladies and gentlemen, or should I say, my liege lords and ladies, it is your buddy Gavin, filibuster freestyle. I am talking to you less than two hours before the season eight premiere of Game of Thrones, the final season of Game of Thrones, which means the final podcast season of Wine Wall and Dragons with yours truly, aka your buddy Gavin, and our friend Dan O'Brien, uh, recording this intro very quickly just to set the stage. Uh, we're going to come on what will be right after episode one of season eight ends with scorching hot immediate takes and reactions um, scribbled down furiously on notepads and or Apple, you know, whatever, laptops, etc. MacBooks? Yeah, that's a thing. Unofficial sponsor of the week, MacBooks. Anyway, uh, we're pumped. Hashtag dragon season. Use that hashtag when you like our stuff on Twitter or Instagram. I'm going to be putting up uh, the podcasts not only on filibusterfreestyle.com, but also um, be pinning them each week to my Twitter feed, at Gavin Viano, and putting them on the Filibuster Freestyle's Instagram page stories. Okay. By the way, subscribe on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts, and you won't miss a single pod of Wild and Dragons or the Filibuster Freestyle in general. Anyway, a couple really quick things. Places listening besides north of the wall. Canada, which is north of America. In North America, but north of the United States of America. United Arab Emirates, France, Spain, and Italy. All listened in the last week. You know who didn't listen in the last week for the first time in I have no idea how long? They didn't even have one download this week? Was Ashburn, Virginia. Our friends in Ashburn, Virginia, who many weeks are like one of the top three places listening in all the land in all the world, in all the realm, the seven kingdoms, and beyond. So my question for them is, do you guys in Ashburn hate Game of Thrones? Did you move? Let us know. Anyway, I've gotten some feedback from the crack research team, but also from the crack engineering team. They said Dan O'Brien had brutal sound quality on last week's season eight Wild and Dragons preview show. I agree, he did. It wasn't Dan's fault. I think it was the apparatus we were using. I've got an idea for tonight. I'm hopeful it works. If it doesn't work, I'm just going to implore you to bear with us and, 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 and slog through because Dan's points and his banter are worth listening to. Though, I, we, like I said, we will try to engineer out any poor audio quality, as you've come to expect in the filibuster freestyle. We don't always get it right, but one, we'll break the fourth wall to acknowledge that we didn't get it right, and two, we'll try our darndest, maybe not our best, but our darndest to get it right the next time. So anyway, rate the pod on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review if you don't mind. Retweet us when I tweet at Gavin, at Gavin Viano on Twitter. Or, you know, like us on, on, on Filibuster Freestyle on Instagram. Do those things. Help people find the show. Speaking of the show, next time you hear my voice, it'll be post-theme song and post-episode one of season eight, Game of Thrones, here on Wine, Wall, and Dragons. My leal lord lieges and ladies, as promised, Dan O'Brien joins us. Season hey, 8, Gab. episode 1, Game of Thrones, Wild Wild and Dragons. Hey, Dan. How are you, yeah. first of all? Uh, doing great. Thank you so much for asking. How about yourself? I'm doing very well. Now, minutes before the season premiere, 
you sent me and Dan Ruddle a text that the place that you, Dan, and a drifter watched the Game of Thrones marathon not seven days ago in Philadelphia on South Street has closed forever. <laughs> right, right, yeah. How? Uh, I think that, that set the tone for the, for, uh, for the rest of the night so far. They just announced an hour before the episode they put it on Facebook that they were closing. And we sort of, uh, we hinted that that might be the case. We got a lot of hints while we were there that it might have been on the last legs, unfortunately, because it was a really cool spot. But, yeah, that was uh, that was not at all surprising, but still sad, you know? So, you know, pour some dragon juice out for that, because, quote, hashtag, it's dragon season anyway. Um, and before we get into the episode, we're, we're getting rapid reactions not only from Dan Ruddle, but also from my cousin Doug Brown, both pundits of the show, both former champions of the filibuster freestyle fantasy football league, like yourself. Right. Which is a mouthful to get out a second ago. Um, and uh, they both hated it. They both hated the episode. They're both really bringing a lot of shade at the episode. So, first of all, sorry to those guys. And second of all, I'll weigh in after you. So, what are your thoughts to them immediately being pissed off at the first episode in 595 days? Well, I, I, I don't totally bl- I disagree with them first. Yes. Uh, but I don't, total- I don't totally blame, blame them because that's what happens when you wait nearly 600 days to release a new episode in that anticipation and expectations get so high um, that, you know, it's it's nearly impossible to meet them. And I, I don't think this was even a disappointment as an episode. I thought it was pretty good. There's some things I didn't like about it, but I think overall it was very good. Yeah. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a glass half full type of guy, though. Um, yeah, I, you are. I, and that's why you're the co-host, to why I'm all in drinks. Yes. Exactly. We don't we don't need these uh, these ne'er do wells and these sad sacks like Doug and Dan uh, <laughs> bringing us down. We're here to enjoy this show and celebrate it. And you know, I'm not. That's why I don't like making predictions. I just like enjoy. I just enjoy the ride, Gavin. For sure. And, and what I would say is this. And you alluded to it. And I want to drive the point home. The the buildup was so intense and so yeah. white hot that it was actually pretty smart to just give us. 95% exposition setting things up for the next five weeks versus trying to live up to something action-wise, plot-wise, that no one was going to be happy with anyway, right? So just set me up, remind me of what's going on, give me some little storylines, and go. And that's what they did. So overall, I'm fine with it. I'm totally fine with it. That's it. They, they're setting they're setting the table for these last five episodes. Uh, and they're not all going to be bangers, but I, I bet the next one uh, is going to be a, a little more action-packed. But those last four, I think, are going to be – it's going to be a lot. No and question. I'm excited for it. I think it's fantastic. I like how they set it up and they remind us where we're at, where all the players are. Um, and we can go – you know, we can break down the, the, the show scene by scene. I think the one thing Dan Ruddle was most upset about – and I, I agree with this because I didn't know about this until last week. Yep. And this, this is why I mentioned it on our uh, – uh, last week's pod is that the episode was only fifty some minutes, fifty four minutes or something like that, um, and we have been told, we, me, you, and everybody else has been following Game of Thrones that like these last six episodes, of the last season is going to be, they're all going to be like a, uh, only six episodes, but they're each going to be like a movie like yeah, six movies, right? Yeah, and no, that's not the case. Quite honestly, the last, and I mentioned that's why I mentioned last week that the. Uh, the minutes of each episode. The first two are going to be like 54, 54. And they don't get into really extended episodes until the last two, which are, I think, in the 80s. 
that yeah. would be great. Again, I think that I'm just going to keep going with they know what they're doing until, you know, listen, I did a podcast about Westworld season two. I'm in it oh, until God. they... I'm in it until they ruin it, but I'm not afraid to say when they ruin it. So, like, I'm not worried about it yet. Totally. What were, they, what were the metrics on that Westworld season two? How many people? How many people were listening to that? Jeez. Well, I'll tell you what. Once we started putting that we hated it in the title, a lot more <laughs> a lot more people would like hate listen with us. You know what I mean? That actually does sound entertaining. Yeah, but I but I nobody can nobody can turn on a series quicker than Andrew Patterson. You know what I mean? <laughs> shout out! Hey, shout out to the very fickle Puck Man. <laughs> May, may we never mention the word Westworld on this podcast again. Correct, correct. Season three, you're on your own. Okay. Um, <laughs> opening scene, I actually liked it because you had a little kid running, and I didn't know what he was running from. And then, of course, it yeah. was just he's running to climb a tree to see the massive Danny Targaryen unsullied army rolling north up the King's Road into Winterfell. Really thought it was a good scene. I also thought it was cool because you get Danny and John riding in together. You get Arya in the crowd chilling. She sees the Hound. She sees Gendry. It's like a family reunion for Arya, man. It's cool. I liked it. I, I love seeing that whole army put together. We've been working towards that point for seven seasons and, what, like nine years now? Yeah. Um, all those chess pieces in one place working on, you know, the team of uh, – the good team uh, is really exciting. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I love seeing it. And you're right. That, that opening scene, I was – I don't think I'm alone where we all thought that that kid was either going to run into one of the the, the white walkers or uh, was running from them. And then when it turned out to be not as. Uh, yeah, it was a nice way to bring you back in. It was a nice cold open, you know? Yeah. So, again, I'm, I'm, I'm in. I mean, I'm in. The dragons, the two dragons make a dramatic entrance, as always, like 15 minutes, you know, you know, showtime, 15 minutes, you know, like. It's like there's this giant army, there's this giant army, this giant army, shock and awe, and oh, by the way, these two dragons just materialize. Boom. Right. Feast for your eyes. And let's not skip over the fact that there, for the first time in all of the previous seasons, there's a new opening to the show. Yes. It was a little different. Um, it, very it's much different. So. And if you notice, all the things that they highlight, I think, are going to be clues about what's going to be important about these last six episodes. They showed, like... The catacombs underneath Winterfell, they, all sorts of stuff. They showed, and this comes up a couple of times in this episode, mm-hmm. we haven't seen it in a few years, is the weirwood trees yes. at Winterfell were heavily featured in the opening, the new opening credit. And also you, you got three or four different shots of, the, of that garden, uh, an aerial shot. And I think that, you know, that is going to be a key at the end. Those, those trees with the faces on them, I still don't exactly understand. I could do a little research, but I refuse to. Yeah, don't let the facts get in the way of a good story, you know what I mean? No, no, no. All I know is that they're going to be playing a, a larger part at, the, at how this ends. I uh, think between the Weirwoods and Bran and the, the rumors of the children of the forest might come back sometime, I think that's all going to be interwoven. I really do. No, Bran's just like a peeping Tom lurking everywhere. He just lurks. That's, that's his He's a lurker. Actually, I, I do want to get into there was another peeping Tom moment in the show later on that I thought was funny, but anyway. Um, and quite honestly, that's how he got himself in trouble in the first episode of the series. Yes, exactly. He's like Marty McFly's dad in Back to the Future. He's a peeping Tom, man. Yeah, I mean, we can probably break that down later, but yeah, sorry, but, but, but sorry what, to get ahead of myself. That's what George does, uh, George McFly <laughs> and Bran. Any, anyway, nice little Back to the Future mashup with Game of Thrones first night of the year. Not too bad. We are, we are throwing fastballs. Um, 
I like that Bran is waiting on John and the whole crew. And my thought, and you already hit on this too, but was it is amazing how far flung the people gathered in Winterfell have been until this moment on this show. Like that many people were not in one place since probably season one, episode one. Oh no, and, and that's the thing. So much happened in this episode, even though there was not like any giant battles. Yeah. Like there's, we can get into it, but all those people talking to each other, we've been uh, predicting it, and you know, prophesizing and speculating over what who's going to talk to who and who's going to be on whose side. They were all in the same room on a number of scenes tonight. And that's, we would have gone nuts for that uh, one, two, three seasons ago. No question. Uh, to, uh, to have uh, all the Starks talking to a couple Lannisters, talking to, um, you know, whatever. Yeah, like we've, come so, we've come so far, and yet we've gone, you know, it's all come around full circle. Yeah, and yet, Doug Brown, Dan Ruddle, still upset, <laughs> still won't, can't be, they can't be placated, and I don't understand it. I'm just saying, guys, give it more than an hour, right? Give it more than an hour. You're about to watch a nine-hour movie. Yeah, hour one. Fairweather fans. Fairweather fans. We don't want them, quite honestly. Bunch of fanboys. Yeah. (laughs) Go watch Westworld season three, fellas. Yeah, beat it. That's then call me and tell me what a bad a bad hour TV looks like. Anyway, um, (laughs) I really enjoyed how Bran wastes zero seconds breaking the news on the Ice Dragons back. The walls oh, down yeah. and the dead are marching. We ain't got time oh. for the chit chat a holes. <laughs> Basically, like think about that. Danny just found out. Like we all, she always says, her dragons are her children and blah blah blah. Danny just found out that not only she knew her child, one child was dead, in essence, but that it's come back from the dead and working uh, on the the side of evil against her to take her down. And I really feel like they didn't. They didn't. Uh, they gave like one little shot expression of hers, but then they never revisited it. I think that should have been uh, a little more exposition there. Well, the moment, the moment, and the moment has to be coming when Danny has to go face to face with Ice Viserion. Yeah, I'm wondering if she's going to blink. You know, like I don't mean literally blink, but that's going to be a daunting moment for her when she's no longer in control of her third baby. You know what I mean? And maybe they're saving it for that. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt there, too. Because she did kind of let it gloss over. Like, what if, you know, if lurking wheelchair dude was like, uh, your dragon's alive and it works for the Night King now. You'd want to be like, wait, what the hell are you talking about? I mean, put yourself in her shoes. If one of my children was murdered by zombies and then came back as a zombie to try to kill me and my army, I, it would give me pause for the first mm. time I saw him or her. You'd probably take a knee, you know, and maybe just need a minute. I would. I would need to take a take a beat, take a breath, uh, and I'm, I, you know, I probably, you know, go hard after them after that. But I don't know who, who can say. Well, especially until if they're going to come hard after you, you know what I mean? Yeah, you know, it's yeah, survival of the fittest and such. But um, I, I'd, I'd eventually take them out, I assume. But I, I it would definitely. I'd have to take a minute. Yeah, you'd probably call for like five. 30, 30 second timeout, something. And the thing is, is will Danny be afforded that 30 seconds to, to take a breath and to collect your senses? I don't know. And I don't know, and that could be a big deal. Uh, that could yeah. be a really big deal. So we go to the, we go to the uh, you know, the funny thing is, it, it seems like people just aren't getting the memo on, hey, we all have to fight against the zombies together. It's still, you know? And the John has to continue to re-explain why he went south to get Dragonglass and a million army people and dragons, 
and the Mother of Dragons. Like, and everybody's mad about him bending the knee. And by the end of the episode, I kind of understand why they were laying it on so thick, and we'll get right. there. But still, like, I love Lady Liara Mormont. She's a good kid, but like, you know what? The lady just showed up with two dragons. So why don't you shut up about being from the north and worry about the zombies? Gab, that you just hit on my biggest uh, complaint about this episode is that we've spent seven seasons getting everyone on the same page, getting everyone to agree uh, to, to have like two two concrete sides for the most part, you know, give or take. And I, I, I have no time for this like infighting anymore. For it's BS. Uh, I don't want to deal with it. I hate. I really hated the the, the storyline last year when it was Sansa and Arya. Yes. It was like, are they on the same page? Are they against each other? And it turned out they were on the same page. Fantastic. Right. But I didn't have. I didn't have fun for one second while that storyline was playing out until the very end. Right, and like the rope a dope of Peter Baelish was worth it, but this is like we don't. Have to, we do not have time for the rope a dope of the army. We of the already Dad. did it. Right. Yeah, we've already done that. We've been there, and like I get it. I do get. You know that there is some trepidation and, and they don't really want to I get it but I don't want to watch it correct you know, cut, let's let's buzz through that please yeah because- we're, we're, I'm actually out of there and I would, what I was going to segue to was two straight Sansa scenes one at the end of that one when she's worried about who's going to buy the groceries for all these dragons and soldiers Right. Good boy. I thought of it too. Yeah. I thought of that too. Totally. It's, it's a barren wasteland out there and there's yeah. now we're bringing in a million new people. Got it. But her first meeting with Tyrion, her ex-husband in theory, <laughs> her current husband, little awkward. First combo since Joffrey's wedding, in which she skipped town as soon as he was poisoned. And um, I do like how she's now giving hot truth to Tyrion about Cersei's going to bail on you. That was a nice little like flip flip from seasons one through three when Sansa bought Cersei's crap hook, line, and sinker every time. Yeah, and now it, she's the one spitting hot truth about the the queen and, and the queen's I, landing. I, I like that. That was a good scene. And Sansa's, or yeah, yeah, Sansa is turned into a total boss. Yes. all of a sudden. And I was really impressed that Arya recognized her when she, she when she met with John when they finally got able to, yes. to connect. And she said that Sansa's the smartest person she knows. That was interesting to me because I didn't know if that. Um, that sort of solidified. They're like, oh, maybe she is legit. If Arya's buying in, Arya's not easy to be fooled. You know, she's a faceless um, man. I mean, no question about it. Exactly. But it, so I want to sit here and root for Sansa. I want her to be a boss. I want her to be moving the chess pieces and doing the behind the scenes stuff, pulling the strings. But I don't want to see her. I don't want to see the infighting. I just don't. Correct. I don't. No, no question. Care. Like, I mean, I just, just... Even if she's right, I don't care. And the thing is, that, and we'll get to it by the end of the episode as we go through the scenes, like, they're setting up, like, multiple channels of infighting, and it sounds like, you know, based on the very last couple scenes, that, like, the, the, the Army of the Dead's, like, 25 minutes out of town. So, like, again, yeah. the infighting, zero time for it. Zero time for it. Team chemistry. You know, like, it's like the damn it's Celtics. So, uh, We're going to flip the switch and the playoffs come. Really? Are you? And, yeah, they won today, but who cares? We're playing the Pacers. This isn't Peter Baelish. It's the gosh yeah, darn! I, I, it's the gosh darn Milwaukee Bucks with Giannis, the Ice Dragon. Come on, Catalina Wine Mixer. Come on. They, so, um, the, the one thing I'll, I'll I will take all this back. Yes. If this is the last episode that we have that issue. The last one. Okay. Yeah. If there, if next week when it seems like you know Tormund and Barrack and all those guys come back from the wall, they seem to beat they beat the. Uh, the army of the dead in such a 
let everybody know. If people are still complaining about titles and who's the king and no, she shouldn't be, I'm then I'm going to be like kind of I'll, I'll I might pull a Doug Brown and Dan Ruddle. I might, sure. might be a little upset. for sure, absolutely. But uh, if it is so, I'll, I'll let them have this episode and allow it. But if it continues for any reason, the only the only infighting there should be, and that there will be, and this is going to be quite a pickle, uh, is the whole Jon Snow Danny thing. Yes, which is again my, my 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 point is they're kind of laying it on thick to like let us know that that's going to be weird. But guess what, everybody, it's going to be weird no matter what. We don't need infighting for the uncle, sorry, the aunt and the nephew to realize they're the aunt and the nephew, and and Dan and I who are gosh, also lovers. Correct. And Dan and I glossed over it last week, and I'm so glad we did a preview show so we could just get the awkward talk out of the way. We are yes. very vehemently against any form of incest, uh, and the fact that these two main characters are about to realize they've been committing it, um, you know, it's going to be very interesting talk anyway. We don't need yes. the infighting to make the incest weird. The incest and is going to be we weird. Are, while we are very anti-incest, on the other hand... They're both very attractive, uh, and you know, I get it. Right. I'm just saying. Anyway. But it's not. No, it's terrible though. But you know, the best line of the John Aria reunion, real quickly, was she she gave the "you used to be taller" line, obviously because she's grown and he hasn't since the show started. Every uh, episode, every episode, they've got a they've got a short joke about him, and I love it. I'm I'm here for it. it absolutely, it was a nice one. Um, yeah, I enjoyed that. I'm not going to lie. That reunion got a little bit dusty in my house. A little dusty. Yeah. Oh, I would I would disagree with the line of the episode. The line of the episode for me was uh, when Sansa and Tyrion were talking, and they mentioned Joffrey's wedding, and he said how, like, what an awful affair that was, because it had its moments. <laughs> that was, a, that that was, was a great was, line. That was a nice quote. That was an absolutely great line. Um yeah, but anyway, yeah, the Arya John meetup, that was something we had been looking forward to. So those are two characters we everybody pretty much universally enjoys. Yes. Um, especially I, I think Arya is a fan favorite. Um, and she got a lot of time today. A lot like of time. That. Which worries me for like the next two weeks. I um, feel like sometimes a character gets a lot of FaceTime right before like something bad happens. Yeah, she's gonna die. I mean, yeah. I mean it's the yeah. end of, it's the end of Game of Thrones, right? Yeah, I, 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 that was one of the things that every scene that came by, I was just thinking, I, I, like, I was like, oh my God, there's a lot of characters here that I really like that are yeah. die. Actually, like, let me, let me actually ask, ask a question and also offer a hypothesis at the same time. What yeah. was it that Arya was asking Gendry to make her? I couldn't see. Okay, because I'm wondering if whatever that weapon is, is that she's going to use that to not only sacrifice herself, but to further the cause of the living while using that weapon. And I didn't quite get what it was, but it looks like it separates. Yeah, I was going to say, it looked like something that shot. Yeah, so I'm wondering if like she's going to wind up like shooting something at, like say, Ice Viserion, for instance, or whatever. But maybe she has to like go fix it, and you know, who knows. But, but well, anyway, that, that weapon, that scene is probably not a throwaway, okay? No, not at all. And to get a little more sinister, she is a trained assassin. Um, so maybe she's got in for somebody in the living camp. No question. She could be. Um, and also, just not to add, before we get off that scene, which is very interesting, Kendry playing a really big role these last this last season. And I feel like it's going to be really interesting what happens to him. He's going to have an arc more than just making the tools. Yeah, uh, dude. But I mean, Gendry. Love connection? Love connection there? 
Oh yeah, I think so. I think an Arya Gendry love connection is finally like finally appropriate from an age of the actor standpoint. They're and not related. Yeah. Uh, no, it's Stark perfect. and Baratheon together. Oh, yeah. He's a ba- Baratheon bastard. Old school Stark. Language. Old school Stark and Baratheon, man. That's the move. I mean. Yeah, I bet they. You know what? They might go down together fighting. Like I bet. I bet they have a, a real hero's death. Two of them. Not a bad, not a bad uh, way to go out, and not a bad uh, sum- uh, supposition by you. That's a good word. To oh, use. Thank you. Thank good you. word to use at ten twenty six on a Sunday night. <laughs> so speaking of good words to use, uh, that's a hell of a segue. Thousand Leagues to the Ooh. South in King's Landing, we see our buddy Meister Kyburn f- fervently running towards Cersei to say, "The dead have broken through the wall," and she says, "Good." Yeah, she stinks, man. And Euron Greyjoy has the Iron Fleet off the shores of King's Landing, and we see Yara, still a prisoner. Let me just fast forward to Theon shows up, saves Yara, everything you and I were asking for last week. They get away, and then he's apparently going to go back to Winterfell. Screw that crap. I don't want to see him again. How do you feel about you know that? What, you, you want him dead? I, that's what I thought. I, I don't want like, him dead. I just, like, go back to the Iron Islands with Yara, and just you, you did it. You did it, buddy. You did it. Now he's coming back, and he's going to die horribly in the next couple of be- in the next two episodes. Well, he made his bed. He could have been on, on Pike, living the salt life, the salt wife, good life, and instead, no, he, he redeemed himself. He, he totally has, did. Totally redeemed yourself. Now get out of my, now now get off my TV. Now get off my lawn. Yeah, yeah. But he's I was I was impressed. I was impressed by the the work those guys did to storm that boat. While Euron Greyjoy was storming the castle in a, you know, a very erotic kind of way. I think that was the first time that Theon had successfully executed uh, some sort of military move. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly on the side of the good. 100% true. He had tried a couple of times and it always like kind of like he, he chickened out or whatever. Fizzled. So it was nice. Yeah. No, no. Theon got his, got his you know, groove back fully. He came through. And again, I really don't see why he needs to show up next week in Winterfell just to get killed by zombies, but what the hell? Well, no, his story arc has has ended, and now it is time for him to, to die. I guess so. But, like, just stay in Pike. Anyway, um, <laughs> speaking of guys who probably shouldn't have gotten uh, on the boat, Golden Company has arrived in King's Landing. 20,000 men, 2,000 horses, zero elephants, and Cersei no is about the elephants. No elephants. I mean, don't even come. If you don't come with elephants... Why even bother coming? But no, and I agree with that. Company without any pachyderms. But wouldn't you have like vetted the order before the guy show up with twenty thousand dudes, two thousand horses, and zero elephants? Well, God knows you're paying. Didn't she know what she was paying for? Like, does she don't have Amazon Prime? You know, Bravo C Prime something. So we do- think about it. Twenty. I know the Golden Company are good fighters and blah blah blah. But twenty thousand soldiers. With uh, two thousand horses, yeah, and no elephants. No elephants. That's not going to, and also no dragon glass or Valerian steel. Right. That's not going to do anything about the against the you army. Know, of the dead. Yeah, and a, it's not going to be able to do much against the the army that's amassed up north anyway. Correct. There's a part of me, and maybe, maybe. Maybe um, Kyburn didn't know that there's an ice dragon because he just said the wall's down and the dead are broken through. He didn't say they've got an ice dragon. Because it sounds to me, to, to piggyback on your point, that Cersei's getting ready to um, garrison 
the Red Keep, Garrison, King's Landing, and the 20,000 guys can keep 100,000 dead people at bay. But not if, right. one, not, not if one of the dead things is a dragon that can fly over and ice your whole castle. So again, no Valyrian steel, zero elephants, which wouldn't matter anyway. Uh, well, no dragon glass. <laughs> not enough dudes. I kind of want everybody to lose just to watch Cersei get eaten alive by the Night's King. Pardon me. That's the thing. I think that's one of the questions that we need to re-examine, maybe uh, post-mortem of the sure, show. Sure, is, yeah, we'll do a post-show for sure. Was Cer- Cersei actually smart? Because she made a lot of bad moves. No question. A lot of wrong moves where, like, she could have, her or her family could have kept, you know, the uh, the throne or certain thrones or whatever. And But she's made a lot of bad moves in the last couple of years exclusively, actually. No question. I, I think. I mean, I'll be. We'll, I'll be interested to see how this plays out. We don't know, but there's a part of me that if they want to go real dark and have the last humans be like Cersei fleeing on the Iron Fleet, whatever. Which, by the way, Euron Greyjoy is going to leave her ass there. She's she's done. She's in trouble. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He he's got. I mean, he just can't trust that dude. So anyway. Interesting scene related to Bronn, who's about to have a very erotic evening for himself in a house of ill repute. Kyburn yeah, shows up in a total C block. Total C block. Old school uh, Game of Thrones scene right there. Yes, a lot. a lot of shirtless people for really no reason in terms of storytelling. Gratuitous, yeah. Yes, gratuitous, gratuitous nudity is back for episode one, season eight. Yeah. But apparently the kicker is that Kyburn's there to make offer him an S-ton of money to eventually kill Tyrion and Jaime if the White Walkers don't do the job for her. What do you think about that being the reason to get Bronn probably to Winterfell? Yeah. Uh, well, any scene that involves Bronn, I'm happy about. Because, no, you know, no he's, he's generally a little comic relief. Um, he's always he's always interesting and has a, a little a clever quip. Uh, I... I really I pictured the scene in my mind of like say Jamie or Tyrion uh, you know survives or both they survive you know whatever happens near the end and we're having like a hero's moment and then suddenly out of nowhere some an arrow goes through one of them and kills them um, that would be really sad to me especially since Bronn and Tyrion were super close but I also do see it coming down to that at some point near the end Bronn is going to be faced with a choice of like does he kill Tyrion I don't I mean, I don't think he really, he likes Tyrion for sure, but he he wouldn't have any problem killing him. No, not at all. Not at all. Uh, that would really make me sad to see, to have him go out like that and to have, you know, Bronn be the one that, do, that did it. Yeah, but a really interesting way to try to get Bronn into the dance. Um, yeah. So. He's, he's going to survive this whole thing. That's a prediction of mine. No question. Yeah. He, he's like a, and I, and I mean this very affectionately, he's like a cockroach. He will survive the nuclear winter. He'll, he'll find a way. Oh, 100%. He's a survivor. Um, so Euron Greyjoy, it looks like his, his advances were rewarded. And though he lost his niece Yara while he was up in the castle having, uh, you know, some, some carnal knowledge of Cersei, to put it in an interesting way, um, mm-hmm. he, did, he did achieve his goal, which was to... Um, you know, make sweet, make sweet love to uh, Cersei. Oh, settle down, Gav. I know, right? I mean, family show. But um, what do you think about just that all going down? And also, he thinks he is going to. I only bring this up because he's claiming he's going to put a prince. You know, he's going to have a prince with her, if you will, 
And she's right. already pregnant, which she clearly did not share with him. <laughs> right. A couple of things about this. Um, a, the only reason we we say she's pregnant is because she told Jamie. And she has been holding her belly, I guess, a little bit. Um, that's So I, I don't even know. Is she really pregnant? I, I don't, I'm not a, not a hundred percent. Probably, but I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure. The second thing is, is when when Urine said like, "Oh, I'm going to put a baby in your belly," she really, it looked like the wheels were really turning. Um, yes, and so maybe she can really lock him. But she already has him locked up. So why does she need to try to lock him up even more? I understand. the The other question I had is, I guess there are no pregnancy warnings on drinking wine while pregnant. So no, she, not in the realm. She was slugging it, slugging back the red wine. Yeah, I think it's kind of like, um, it's a mulled wine, so I guess it's okay. I'm kidding, of course, everybody who's listening. Please don't drink mulled wine and blame it on the freestyle. <laughs> but I heard it on the freestyle. I heard it was okay. From the guy with no kids, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Trust him. Drink mulled wine. I mean, in Denmark, they call it glog. Anyway. Um, he did a podcast on West, Westworld season two. What else, what else could go wrong? Oh, that's deep. That's a deep cut. That <laughs> burns. It burns. We all make mistakes. We do. Hey, we had we had best intentions trying to help out Westworld. Didn't work out for us. Um, so there are three queens in the realm right now, which I find very interesting because in season two or three, two, I guess, we had five kings, if everybody remembers. So now there are no kings besides the Knights King because John's abdicated. Um right. And we've got Cersei, who's the you know the queen, you know, in terms of you know she's in the red, the red keep. Danny's now the queen, you know, and Yara, of course, is the queen of the Iron Islands. And uh, very good for very good for women's you know the Me Too movement, if you will. We got three queens in Westeros, Dan. How do you feel about that? That's a, the, the women are controlling the chess pieces now, especially when you include Sansa into that. Yes, um, of course. She is the one running the Stark family. Easily Basically. the queen in the north, even though there is not a queen in the north, for sure. Yeah, it, it is very impressive, uh, and yeah, I enjoy it. They're more, they're, they've been more interesting uh, anyway. Plus, they're all better actresses than most of the men. Very good point. Wow, nice hot take in real life there. And may I say, I, I, you know, that's a shot at a lot of some of the guys, especially uh, Jon Snow. But I want, I wrote down I, one of my notes. I said. Jon Snow has really, the real, whatever his name is, Kit Harrington, yes. has really improved as an actor. Yeah. He's not going to win any awards, but, you know, it used to be, you look at season two, season three, having him emote or give any type of expression used to be really painful to watch. Um, and he's he's taken classes. He's, done, he's been putting in work. I, get, I can see it, and it shows, I, and I appreciate it, and I thank him. Yeah, he's got a lot better. Good for him yeah. for using some of the HBO money to get better at your craft, you know? Yeah, he's not very more, but he, he's really, uh, he, he's totally, every scene, he used to do a lot of stuff. He's doing a lot of heavy lifting. Uh, a lot of, you know, looking longingly and, you know, being passionate and being upset and crying and laughing. And he does it all capably. Yeah, he's in the mix now. And that is a huge improvement from three, four, five years ago. Yeah, we've come to a good place. Um, so kudos, Kid Harrington. So really interesting, speaking of Kid Harrington, because the next three scenes are all very much related to Jon Snow and Daenerys Targaryen and what multiple, you know, multiple touch points on their burgeoning love slash Davos making it all about business and saying, 
Why don't these two get married? Which eek? I mean, like my, I literally wrote down, when is Brand going to break this news? You know, like because because right. Davos is putting things out there that should not be out there. But but then they fl- they quickly, and we all know what's going on there. They quickly. And Varys, of course, is always right. And he's like, well, it, nothing ever lasts. And he's right for a lot of reasons. But John and Danny go to check on the dragons. And I'm writing down, is John going to ride Rhaegal? Holy crap. John's riding a dragon in episode one. Boom. So first of all, first of all, to the haters of episode one, <laughs> Jon Snow wrote a friggin' dragon. What's wrong with you? Yeah, episode well- one. I'll play, de- I'll, I'll play devil's advocate there. Uh, the way it was done, it was just sort of like, after all the buildup, and we talked about it. We, uh, we did, we did. In our preview, the the scene was basically like, hey, you want to ride my dragon? And he was like, yeah, okay. That was it. <laughs> and, and I think that might be, after all the buildup, you're just like, oh, that, so he just got on it. Okay. That yeah, was- do you know what I was imagining right before that all went down? I was imagining what? that the Night's King was going to show up on Viserion and that <laughs> and that John was like, "Oh my god, I'm screwed." And that Rhaegal was just like, "Get on, dude." But like, you know, in like a very dragonly way. Yeah, and that would have been interesting, but you can't have a, a huge like uh, it would have turned into a battle, right? C- correct, which I which I get, but I was kind of waiting for like they're out there on their own. John has no way back besides the dragon. But what's going to happen? Um that but, you know, instead, yeah, we, we got like a little bit of like a, a Treyu from the never-ending story type of scene. Oh, my God. I wrote the same thing. I said never-ending story luck dragon vibes with that whole uh, uh, <laughs> Nice. Uh, they, it, it was. And there's not – HBO has clearly been banking and saving up the CGI dragon money, and they, they are using it on the season, I, and I love it. But there's not a really good way – we, are, we don't have the technology yet to make somebody look good riding a fake dragon. It still looks weird. I mean, 40 years later, we just can't do it. it, it yeah, and I don't know if it'll ever be able to be done because it's such a, I don't know, I, it doesn't look cool. One of the biggest problems is we can't ride dragons in real life, so we really can't like work on the technology from like a realistic standpoint, you know? And whatever's happening in my imagination is much... It's like, so much it would, cooler, yeah. What it really would look like. And what it ends up looking like is like Jon Snow laying on the back of a, a mechanical bull that's going slow. Yes. Because like, like, probably that's exactly what's happening, by the way. Just laying on it and like with a, a fake uh, eye, like look of wonder on his face. Yeah, being, always, yeah, the real acting is looking like you're in wonder when you're in some like honky-tonk getting filmed in a green screen, you know? <laughs> That's just that's the real acting chops, my friend. So anyway, the the, the, the fact that John is now bonded with Rhaegal is great. It's also going to strengthen his claim to being Rhaegar Targaryen, or now, yeah. sorry, my bad, the son of Rhaegar Targaryen, being Aemon, Aegon Targaryen the sixth, as we learn later. It's going to strengthen his claim now that he's bonded with a dragon, because you usually have to have Targaryen blood to bond with a dragon. And so that that begs the point, like Danny knows that. She knows that only Targaryens can have basically ridden dragons. Yeah, that's a good and point. Why, why was she so cavalier about just being like, hey, yeah, just jump on, no big deal. Um, that's weird. It's a good point. I don't know. She must still think that she controls the dragons, which I guess she does, but now now she probably won't. It's going to be very interesting to see that piece. Now, one thing I did want to break up, bring up about the Peeping Tom Part 2 is that yeah. waterfall love scene 
which is a nice callback to the old wildling waterhole stuff with, um, what's her name, Egred back in the day. But Drogon is eyeballing Jon Snow while he's making out with Danny. Look at the peep of Tom, too. That was creepy. He was, yeah, he was giving a look. But also, I get it. I wouldn't want to make out with with my aunt while her dragons are watching at, watching me. <laughs> I want no part of that. I mean, right? Am I right? You're totally right, which is why they should not stay there for a thousand years, even though Danny suggested they should. Yeah, exactly. Danny's getting full of bad ideas, and I'm getting bad vibes from her. Correct. I don't... Yeah, man. I um, I agree. I feel like Danny might be the one who's expendable after all this. There is a reckoning coming. And you could... Once, you know, once Sam was finally able... Once Bran compelled Sam to tell John of that, of his real lineage or whatever. Yep. There is a reckoning coming because... All right, so he is now... He just gave up his crown to Danny. Yep. He is sleeping with her. She is his aunt, but he is now the rightful heir, and he knows that she doesn't. There's no way she gives up gives up for anything. Because, um, like, who was it? Did Sam say or who? Yeah, Sam said like, would she give up? Would she give up power to like save her subjects? Right. You gave up. You gave up power in the north to save your subjects. Would she do the same? Yeah, and then there's there's no way she would. And you can you get very small little hints of like that Targaryen uh, weirdness. They you know even talking about the whole Tarly the Tarly conversation today. Um, they keep going back to that about how she killed Randall Tarly and his son Sam's dad and brother. Dickon Tarly. Uh, Dickon. <laughs> That's his name, everybody. Dickon Tarly. Oh boy. Oh George. Um, but yeah. So they. Uh, they killed that. They brought that up many times, and they keep referencing like, "Oh, is she really that great of a ruler? Is she that capable?" Because she has some tendencies that might be uh, alarming. Right, which and, I think is good for if he weren't related to her, for John to like potentially be, you know, her equal and be married, and he could maybe help her with some of her like fire-driven rage. But it, it's his aunt, so no. Well, in five, there's five episodes left, and in five episodes, are you going to be able to defeat the the Night King and come to some sort of conclusion between Danny and John of like they like agree to disagree or you know right. that's I, I I don't know how they they get all that in five episodes and, um, and that's kind of what I'm worried about and and you say you know you had another yet another scene with Sansa and John being you know doing the old you bent the knee argument routine again uh, you know like yeah. just, just sprinkled like peppered throughout and it's all leading up to this conversation with Sam Tarly in the in the crypts with you know with Jon Snow but the one thing I did want to get in there and I mentioned it very briefly earlier was that. Gendry, the Hound, and Arya all have a reunion in the, uh, you know, the, the workshop, and um, yeah. you alluded to it. I think we're going to get a Gendry, Arya, either love interest and or and or heroic exit together. But yeah, good to see you know the energy between all three of those characters again. You know, it's good the stuff. Hound, the Hound, every time he goes on, on screen, the Hound is enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, very comical and enjoyable and. He's like brawn, but more dangerous and and more vulgar. Yes. I guess. And we're here yeah. for it. We all like that very much. I li- yeah, I love it. I, I love it. I can't. Uh, and he's another one. Well, you know, tour. Uh, I just had a list of like the the people that I'm going to be upset, like really upset when they die. Tormund, Davos, Seaworth, Bronn, the Hound, 
Brienne of Tarth. You know, like all these people, these are all like middling characters, but are like, I'm a huge fan of all those A lot people. of these guys could be gone like in a week, I'm telling you. Next week could be a dark show for us. Um, I know. Like it's going to be next week's episode or like, you know, there's going to be an episode in the next five where it might just be, like, it might be all six minutes long because we're not going to be in any frame of mind to to want to really dive into yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, okay, so let me let me give you the four very short sentences I wrote about the Sam Tarly sighting. Okay. So I wrote Sam Tarly, exclamation point, with Jorah and Danny, exclamation point, all caps, boom. Mm-hmm. And then I wrote, then she learned that she burned his dad and brother. Tough look, tough moment. That was a, that, that scene was tough. Right? I was so that, fired up. I was fired up because it was like, Sam will tell them in a way that she gets because he just saved Jorah's life from Grayscale and Danny's indebted. I totally forgot. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, and then Danny's indebted to him and all this. And then instead it turns into, oh, you mean the Tarleys that I burned to a crisp? Those Tarleys? Oh, no, your brother too. Yep, mm-hmm, yep. Burned him too. I mean, they were, yeah. de- they were defiant, so bye. <laughs> it's not, not good. It was hard, and Sam's a good actor too. Uh, he is a good actor. He's such a nice character. Everybody likes him. He's friendly. He's useful. He's provided. He's become more useful. He was he, he was such a weight around everybody's neck the first few seasons. Yes. He's actually very, very useful, I mean, and I think he's going to prove to be even more oh, so yeah. in the last couple episodes. So it was awful to just watch him have his heart broken um, by Danny. And, it, it, you know, it's just another little instance. She did it well. I'm glad she did it. She was honest about it up front. But there was just like... It was like, yeah, I did it. And, right. Okay. But this is now what is now... The problem is with that interaction is that that hurts the credibility of Sam to deliver the news that Bran then immediately tells him he needs yeah. to deliver. Like, Sam literally runs outside of wherever they were to get a minute and get some air, and there's Bran lurking lurking and jerking. You know what I mean? What are you yeah. doing? And... I, yeah, Bran... What's his superpower? Is lurking. Is lurking. <laughs> I, I'm so over his his crappy superpowers. They bet he, he better start shooting laser beams out of his eyes soon, or some something really cool, or have like Wolverine claws come out of his hands. Because this like it's not helpful. There's no what he has done. Nothing helpful. Not really. I'm, I mean, I'll spend the next week until next episode. Yep. Trying to dig deep into the archives. To what he did helpful? To find out what, how has he helped? Yeah. I don't know. He set off the chain reaction of the White Walker. I don't, you know. He's just, he's just lurking and peeping. He's peeping and lurking. That's not, you don't want those to be your two adjectives with five episodes to go. And he's my hero? A peeper and a lurker? Well, you know, I mean, George R. R. Martin works in mysterious ways. Um... Sure does. But so Sam's going to have to tell John, and then it's going to be complicated as heck. And then Sam just kind of goes down to the crypts and falls through some statues or something, and just tells John that he's Aegon the Sixth, protector of the realm, and whatnot. It's a hell of a moment. I mean, what do you do with that? What do you do with that info? Info. Yeah. I mean, it's like if if you told me a couple months ago, if you told me a couple weeks ago, I could have done something with that, and I might have a, built more of a case. And I don't know, but. The timing's terrible. Quite terrible honestly. timing. And this is my point. Keep going back to, and the next scene tells us exactly what we need to know. 
We don't have time for this crap. And by we, I mean the characters. Like, there's no time to work out your feelings now. The beasts are at the door. Because the next scene, because we don't see those guys again, of course. And then yeah. we just see Tormund and Beric Dondarrion and the boys. Oh, that was great. And I believe they're up at Last Hearth, and they are walking into a murder scene. A straight-up murder scene. That and was a horror movie. They run Holy into shit. their boys from the Night's Watch. And it was good to see the, the good... Uh, I totally forget forgot his name, too. Totally forget the his good, name. The forgot the who he was. The guy who was always loyal to John. Yeah. yeah, he's one of John's boys. We like that guy. We're glad he's back. And then they find the Umber boy who'd been sent to get his people staked to the wall amidst the limbs uh, of all the other humans of his house. And then, of course, over the shoulder of her boy, Tormund, his eyes turn blue. He's a white. <laughs> Scared wait, the wait, hell wait. out of people. So, Gav, you're, this is why we do the, do the show right after. All right, so that was the Umber Boy. I didn't hear what they said. Like, I, I couldn't hear. Yeah, that was the Umber um, Boy. That was the that boy, was the that umber they, boy that, that, from the beginning of the yeah. episode. He yep. said, like, I need, I need some wagons and horses to get my men. So that, so basically, so that was the Umber's house. Yeah, the and they live in Last Hearth, which is like closest to the wall. Closest to the wall. It was the first thing they showed south of the Broken Wall on tonight's opening. Okay, see, that, that opening is very revealing. It's, it's a roadmap to what's going to happen. It's yeah, I think in a lot of ways you're right. And so, uh, so okay, that was... So all the umbers are gone, basically. So the umbers are gone, and then so that, uh-huh. is, that is when Tormund realizes, hey, like, you guys came from the wall. We must have passed these White Walkers on the way here. And then the, the guy in the Night's Watch said, well, we rode, we, we rode down here on horses. Let's double up and we'll beat those dead people. And that's what they're going to do. But, but we don't have time because the Umber Boy from the beginning of the episode was a zombie who they had to light on fire at the end of the episode. We don't have time to worry about lineage and incest and feelings and, you know, who bent knees to whom and whatever. we're nailing boys to walls. We're nailing kids to walls. Yes. Yeah. So that is takes precedence over... Everything. Uh, you know, my, my title. Right. And the only thing... Sorry, the only one who's really kept that as the laser focus for like three years now in real time is Jon Snow. Everybody else keeps pivoting back to, but I'm the lady of this and I, you need to kneel. Good Lord, stop having people problems. We got zombie problems. So I think we we both think it was a good episode. We do or we don't? I do. Oh, we do. Wait, wait, one last thing. Jamie shows up the very last scene. Oh my god. And Brand's lurking him from Jump Street. Brand's like, what up, Jamie? What up, Jamie? I'm lurking at you again. Last time I saw you, I was lurking, and that's how I got into this predicament. That's but how this whole thing started. This whole thing started with Jamie lurking. and Braun and Winterfell and Lur- Brand lurking. Peep and Brand. Peeping Bran, the three-eyed raven. Makes sense he's a three-eyed raven because he's always peeping. Um, one extra eye to peep. And then the one scene from the next that I thought was really interesting was that Daenerys has Jamie on trial for killing her dad like 40 years earlier. Again, you're all about to get eaten by zombies. Who cares what Jamie did six kings ago? Oh, yeah, and, and to, to do it in Winterfell when, like, he basically he's he rode up there to help. He's the army. He's there is no Cersei army. He's the army. Yeah. He. Oh, I, yeah. I don't want to deal. That's. He's also that's, one of the greatest military minds in the realm. You know, nine times out of ten, he's really good. 
Well, we have the benefit of seeing, like, the in-betweens and the scenes where, like, he is actually, he legitimately is splitting with Cersei, and they don't have, they don't have that type of insight, but at the same time, that's another example of Danny not seeing the forest through the trees. Yes. Being obsessed with, like, the crown and sitting on the throne and getting her title back. Yes. And, She's still you know, worried she, about that way too much. I, we might see, I don't know if it's going to be a full-on heel turn. But Danny could uh, Wow Danny heel turn Heel turn with a steel chair I Just to keep her power Dude that would be Outrageously interesting Yeah I, and that could come down And that's how Jon Snow You know splits Stops making love to his aunt uh, And splits And you know becomes the rightful king And heir Interesting really interesting stuff Um Okay. It's a great show. It's a great show, Gav. I thought we enjoyed it a lot. I thought we we enjoyed the episode a lot, every, everybody. Um, and maybe now that they've had an hour to think about it, maybe Dan and Doug and everybody else who didn't like it have too. But they were they were going to let you down tonight, no matter what, because they have to get seven hours of TV left out there after two year break. So they might yeah. as well just set set us up for pretty much all. Like we know the White Walkers are coming. So we needed John to ride the dragon, so it's not weird when he just jumps on next week. Yeah. We need to know that Danny and Sam are going to have beef from the get-go. We need to know that the White Walkers killed the Umber Boy because that means they're really oh. close. They're really close. So sad. Anyway, I thought it was a very good episode. I mean, if I was, I'm not going to rate all these episodes based on old episodes, but I've seen several episodes that were like. Made me a lot more snooze fast than tonight. Tonight was very strong, I thought. No, I, every every season, the first episode is a table setter. And like you like you alluded, this was a good table setter. Sure we had some qualms, but again, let's just enjoy it. We're not we're not critics here, we're just we're fans. Let's en- let's enjoy the ride. I'll call BS when I see it. Uh, yeah. but I feel like they they've allowed uh, allowed us They've shown enough uh, skill that they should be given a wide berth in the storytelling, and we can let them let them uh, tell their story at their own pace. No question, I agree with that. All right, let's leave it there, Dan. Uh, good stuff. Good to be back on Winewall and Dragons, man. Filibuster Freestyle couldn't be more pumped about Winewall and Dragons. Like we're just going to hit our stride by that sixth episode, and then it's going to be over. Yep, but we'll do a post mortem just you know for us and. Uh, you know, oh, cool. what I probably want to do too at some point is, you know, I don't know if I have the time or energy, but it'd be great if like people like Dan and Doug and others could kind of like maybe record a little bit of their reactions that we could maybe tape on to the end of our final one just to get some other like, uh, you know, some like B roll. Well, let's see what we can no. do on that. You know what? Hard pass. I don't want Doug or Dan anywhere near this pod anymore. If they don't want, if they're not here for <laughs> Game of Thrones, then beat it. I love it. I love it. All right, everybody, speaking of beating it, we'll see you next week. Wild on Dragons, fellowsfreestyle.com. Check it out.